Hi, and welcome to More Than a Noodle, a Thai diaspora podcast. Welcome, you're listening to the very first episode. And today, I'll be inviting my friend Priya Kavanakudil to this episode to talk with me about why I created this podcast, what's the meaning behind the name More Than a Noodle, and why, for me, as an Thai American, why I think it's important to talk about my culture and my history. Like I said, this is our very first episode, and the hopes is in the future I'll be interviewing and talking with other Thai Americans and also just other Thai people in general. If you like this episode, please consider sharing it with your friends. And if you have anyone you want me to sit down and talk with, uh, leave a comment on Instagram. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Jeremy. Hey, Priya. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So why did you name your podcast More Than a Noodle? Yeah, so when thinking about my experience as a Thai American, I realized that every time I introduced myself as being Thai or Thai American, or I would share how my mom is Thai, people would immediately exclaim how much they love Pad Thai or drunk noodles. Um, if not talking about Pad Thai or noodle dishes, then they would just talk about how much they love elephants and how much they love riding elephants or they'd bring up the beaches of Thailand. And while I love Pad Thai, drunken noodles, elephants, and beaches, there's so much more to Thai culture than food, animals, and beaches. We have a really rich history and a really rich culture. And I want people to know that for me as a Thai person, I'm also more than a noodle. I don't know how comfortable I am when I tell people about my identity and the first thing that they want to talk about is just my food. There is so much more to me and more to my culture than just that. Yeah, snap to that. So other than Pad Thai, what would your favorite Thai food be? Yeah, in terms of my favorite Thai food, I think that really changes depending on my mood and depending on what ingredients I have access to. But right now, one of my favorite dishes to create is so that's like shrimp shrimp paste fried rice. Uh, it's really cool because it's just, you take steamed rice, you stir fry it with shrimp paste, and you have a bunch of different ingredients that go with it, like young papaya or like young mango. Uh, you have eggs, sweet pork belly. You can really add a bunch of different ingredients. Uh, in a lot of ways, it kind of reminds me of like Korean bibimbap. So it's kind of like a mixed rice. Mm. So what would you say your hopes for this podcast are? Yeah, in terms of my hopes for this podcast, I just really hope for More Than a Noodle to become a place for Thai Americans, or rather anyone within the Thai diaspora, to get connected to other Thai people who live outside of Thailand. Uh, Because for me growing up, I often heard about things that happened in Thailand, and I would hear about celebrities in Thailand, but I almost never heard about Thai representation in Western media. And yeah, as we've seen, representation is super important. I see my friends who are from like Singapore, when Crazy Rich Asians came out, they were super excited, even though it wasn't like a perfect representation, or 
the best representation of Singaporeans, it was still nice for them to see themselves on the screen, or at least see their city on the screen. Uh, but for me as a Thai American, I never really saw Thai culture portrayed on television or movies. I mean, right now, we do have one Disney Channel show, Amphibia, which fe features a Thai American girl. But other than that, I'm not sure if there has been Thai representation. So yeah, part of my hope for this podcast and the reason why I created this podcast is so we can have representation. Uh, I also hope that this can be a podcast for Thai Americans to learn more about Thai history and culture. Um, I know for me, as someone who grew up in Utah, I didn't have a lot of accessibility to Thai culture or even Thai history. Even though my mom loved Thai culture, loves Thai culture, loves Thai history, um, and tried to pass that down to me, you can only do so much if you're like the only Thai family um, in a city full of white folks. Yeah, I also know that my story is really different from everyone else's story. If you grew up in a more heavily Asian populated area like LA or New York City or even Houston, maybe y'all did have more access to Thai culture, but at least for me, I didn't have too much access. So I wanted to create a medium for Thai people to learn more about the experiences of other Thai people and again, potentially learn about culture and history. And again, along with the name of More Than a Noodle, I want people who listen to this podcast who aren't Thai to, yeah, learn that we are more than a noodle, that we are complex and our history and culture is complex as well. Yeah, thank you so much for creating that space. I'm sure fellow Thai Americans would, you know, totally feel validated and seen with this podcast. Um, could you, you touched upon this a little bit, but can you talk more about what it was like growing up with a mixed identity? Yeah, so for me, I'm actually more, I'm part Thai and part Hong Kong Chinese. My mom is from Thailand, but my dad is from Hong Kong. Uh, they actually met when they moved here, um, moved here to the U.S. in Utah. Yeah, so that was definitely interesting growing up because I grew up going to a Chinese immigrant church in Utah but I spent a lot of summers in Thailand. And even though I grew up practicing more Chinese culture than Thai culture, I was formally taught more Thai culture by my mom than Chinese culture. I even remember from like kindergarten to like second or third grade, every year my mom would talk to my teachers and ask if she could come in for like an half an hour to an hour and teach about Thai culture and Thai history. Well, that's like one of my earliest memories is my mom coming into my classroom and talking about how Thailand is basically the same size as the state of Texas, but has so many more people than Texas. It's funny because I feel like most kids around that age might've been like embarrassed if their parents came into class and started teaching about their culture, uh, especially if they lived in a predominantly white area. But for me, I was actually super proud already at that age. I was proud that my mom cared so much about her culture and the country she came from. Um, and I was also just, I felt really loved by my mom that she would go out of her way to uh, want to teach my classmates about the culture that I have and the history that I have. 
I know that for other folks who didn't have that experience, they might have grown up not being super proud of their heritage or their culture. Um, so I'm pretty sure that like my mom's dedication to educating me and dedication to me caring about where I come from has really played a big role in me even wanting to have this podcast now and wanting to explore more about Thai culture. Um, but going back to your question about what it was like uh, growing up mixed, yeah, I think it was hard at times because in Utah, uh, there were some Asian Americans. Most of them were Taiwanese Americans or Chinese Americans, uh, even Korean Americans. So I guess just East Asians in general. What was hard about that was at first they would relate to me because I am part Chinese. Uh, but once I would bring in my Thai culture or the fact that I am also Thai, they would get really confused. Um, I guess people get pretty confused when people are mixed in general. Um, mm. It's not that complicated. I'm Thai and I'm Chinese and I'm American. Um, I can balance all three cultures and narratives because they're part of my narrative. Um, it's not that complicated. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there was a lot of confusion because of that. There was also a lot of, not like full on alienation, but Priya, do you, do you know about like the lunchbox moments? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Have you ever had one? Um, yeah, I remember my mom used to give me food and I would just throw it out. I would try to avoid the lunchbox moment after I had the first one. And I would just like throw it out and then like pretend I ate really fast. Oh and it wasn't even Indian food. I feel like my mom would, you know, like hot pockets. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know what they are. They're like those microwavable things. My mom yeah. would have those, these like, I don't know, these food items and she would heat it up at home. So then by the time I brought it to school, it'd be kind of cold. And I'd feel so embarrassed. And I think my, my actual lunchbox, it was one of those like steel environmental safe lunchbox which now is super trendy by the way um, but I'd feel so embarrassed because everybody else had these like light up plastic containers so <laughs> I would just throw out my food and sit there <laughs> no, but I totally, totally go Asian yeah so for me it was interesting because my lunchbox moment um, it didn't happen with other white folks it didn't happen with like white kids it happened with my East Asian friends uh, yeah, because everyone else, they would, I guess they just assimilated more than my parents did or more than I did. So they would also bring those like square lunch boxes that you just described, right? The plastic ones. Uh, whereas for me, whenever I would bring lunch from home, I would bring it in a thermos. I don't know if you've seen them, but they're kind of like, they're shaped like a thermos, but a little bit fatter. And you can like put rice or soup or whatever in it. And then it'll stay warm throughout the day. So I would bring that. But then the food I would bring would be Southeast Asian food like yes Thai food but more generally just Southeast Asian food um, and my East Asian friends had no idea what I was eating and sometimes they would again I don't think they were like making fun of me outright but they would definitely make some comments about how my food was different um, and looking back for me that's kind of weird that they did that given that they probably also had lunchbox moments too or maybe I guess now that I say that out loud maybe it does make sense maybe because uh, they were made fun of for their food. Um, they just reciprocated that and made fun of my food too. Mm. So yeah, that was part of my experience growing up mixed uh, in Utah, just people not understanding. 
actually, even nowadays, people don't understand and people in Asia don't understand. Uh, at one point I studied abroad in Korea. Uh, people were very confused that, well, one, they were confused that someone who looked Asian could be American. Um, but then when I would bring in my parents' heritage, they were rather confused about that too, um, which is fine. I think people just want straightforward answers sometimes and they're not expecting like a paragraph when they ask you where you're from. Uh, but at the same time, that is my truth and that is my identity. I would say another hard part of being mixed is again, not fully being able to practice Thai culture, especially as a Christian in the US. Um, a lot of Thai culture is heavily intertwined with uh, Buddhist culture and or the Buddhist faith and Buddhist practices. Um, and when you're in such a predominantly non-Buddhist area uh, with a lot of people who don't practice um, Buddhism or are even familiar with Thai culture, um, our culture tends to be just put to the side and there isn't space for me to practice or to celebrate even my culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I would say that's the hardest part of growing up mixed. Um, but yeah, that's part, again, that's why I want to learn more about my culture. I want to see how my faith and my cultural heritage can intersect and how I can be Christian and still fully practice Thai culture too. Yeah. That makes sense. And I resonate with what you were saying about um, not fully fitting in even within your own Thai culture. Because I feel like growing up, because I grew up South Indian and I grew up Christian, and I think the majority of um, Indians, Indian Americans in my neighborhood and school, they were North Indian and they were Hindu. You know, our experiences and the way we lived our lives were very different. And so whenever I would say that I'm going to church or, no, I don't go to you know, like Saturday school to learn about Hindu practices. It was very um, like ostracizing, you know, they were like, oh, you're not really Indian, you know, you're, you're one of those, you don't, you're not really a part of us. <laughs> so I, I totally get what you're saying. Um, so that was really fascinating. I mean, sad, but interesting talk, hearing you talk about the ways your Thai identity was invalidated. Um, how do you, like, what's your process in confronting that, making peace with that? Yeah, so I think growing up when I was younger, maybe even until high school, nope, definitely until college, um, I would try to convince people that I am Thai, or I would just be like, I would get really annoyed, I would get so frustrated, because again, this is just reality, like, I am Thai Chinese American. Um, so I would just get really frustrated and continue to just try to not like argue with them because I guess in their head, it's not an argument. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would just keep bringing it up and keep trying to convince them uh, that I am who I am, which is really weird, right? Like we don't usually need to like argue about things like this, right? Like we don't have to argue about why the sky is blue or why, you should eat food or you'll die, you know? Like for me, like me being Thai and Chinese is just a fact. <laughs> it's not an opinion. Um, but yeah, yeah growing up, I would, yeah, it is who I am. Yeah. Um, but yeah, growing up, I would definitely just try to defend that. Um, but as of late, 
I think I've kind of shifted, pivoted away from that because I know that I'm not going to be able to convince people uh, because if I could, we wouldn't, they wouldn't be trying to invalidate me to begin with. Um, so specifically, especially when it comes to non-Thai people, non-Asian people, non-Asian American people, I kind of just ignore them. <laughs> I just continue to live my life. I share with them um, Thai culture and w when it comes up and when it's uh, when it makes sense to, and they can take it if they want and they can leave it if they want. I don't really care that much. I don't have the emotional energy to try to convince people otherwise. Uh, but in terms of confronting it and processing the invalidation within myself, that's definitely been a process. Like Priya, you know, uh, it's been a lot of like identity crises in the middle of the night um, during finals or just throughout the week whenever. <laughs> um, so thank you for being there for all of that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's been a lot of processing, a lot of, yeah, just introspection and thinking about what does it mean to identify with an ethnic group uh, what does ethnicity even mean again i think we try to simplify what ethnicity ethnicity is to just like your blood um and your like genetics mm -hmm. and i don't want to like totally invalidate invalidate that because that might be true for some ethnicities but ethnicity is also so much bigger than that um, especially with Thailand, from what I've read and the research I've done, um, the idea of a Thai state um, is fairly new because before we had the kingdom of Thailand, we had the kingdom of Siam. And sure, like maybe the demographics are about the same, but like this idea of being Thai is fairly new. Uh, so I think that there is something to be said about that. And also recently I joined a page called Subtle Asian Traits and another page called Subtle Mixed Traits on uh, Facebook. For those of you who are familiar with Subtle Asian Traits, I'm pretty sure these are just uh, spin-offs of that. Uh, anyway, within those spaces, I've noticed a lot of uh, Asian Americans or just people who are part of the Thai diaspora in general taking these DNA tests um, usually like 23andMe or like Ancestry.com. And a lot of these folks, even though they've been in Thailand for generations and generations, um, even, if they're, uh, even if their parents claim to be fully Thai, right? Their DNA supposedly show that they aren't even Thai, that they're Chinese or that they're Vietnamese. But does that make them any less Thai? I don't think so. And so for me as a Thai person, as a Chinese and a Thai person, I don't think for me, being mixed makes me any less Thai. Or even the fact that, um, yeah, even on my mom's side of the family, there is some Chinese heritage. I don't think that changes the fact that like I identify with Thai culture and that my mom had a Thai experience growing up. Uh, at the same time, again, like for me being mixed, I think this invalidation is something that a lot of Thai, uh, mixed people feel, whether they be ethnically mixed or racially mixed. Um, I found a lot of camaraderie in that Facebook group, Subtle Mixed Traits, because we see how oftentimes as people who are mixed, our narratives and our identities get overshadowed or get erased, whether that be actively or passively, people not feeling like we're, um, in my case, people not feeling I'm Thai enough or people not feeling I'm Chinese enough. Yeah, who are you to define what it means to be Thai enough or Chinese enough, especially if you're not part of those groups 
why are we gatekeeping? Yeah, I don't know. Those are thoughts I have. I think especially if we bring in the aspect that I'm also American, that I was born in the U.S., I think that also confuses people. But I think a lot of children of immigrants kind of face that tension too, right? Of not feeling, in not identifying or practicing enough of the culture that their parents practice, but also not feeling like they're practicing or assimilated enough into the host culture too. Right. So for me, it's basically the same, right? Like if I can reconcile being Asian American, I can reconcile being Hong Kong Chinese Thai American too. Mm. Um, so yeah, to wrap it up, to summarize the question you asked, asked of how have I processed the invalidation and how have I confronted it? It's been just learning more about my culture, the co- history of my culture, the history of my ethnicity, and also knowing that I'm not alone in feeling not enough and also just not caring that much about what other people are saying because at the end of the day this is my life wow that's so beautiful what about the Thai diaspora are you the most curious about yeah so for me in terms of the Thai diaspora I think I'm curious about like what makes us unique you know I think about the other Southeast Asian diasporas, I think about um, the Hmong community. um, And to preface, I'm mainly talking about the experience of Asian Americans, um, because again, that that is my experience. I'm American. um, But yeah, I think about like the Hmong American community, the Vietnamese community, the uh, Lao community in the US, Cambodian community, et cetera. Um, A lot of these communities, uh, they had huge waves of immigration and Partially, uh, that was because of needing to be refugees as a result of political turmoil in the countries of origin, which, as I've learned, um, has is a result of American neocolonialism and American interference. But that is a topic for another day. Um, but yeah, because of this uh, mass migration of ethnic groups um, there is, there seems to be some level of camaraderie, and you also see um, ethnic enclaves pop up all over the U.S. for uh, Vietnamese Americans, for Hmong Americans. Um, whereas for Thai people, we have like one ethnic enclave, maybe, maybe two. There might be one in New York. There's definitely one in L.A. But other than that, like I don't know of any ethnic enclaves. Um, and I, and maybe maybe there are more. But for me, as a Christian, like. I don't go to temple. So if there is purely just like a religious symbol that brings together Thai people, I'm not really included in that as someone who isn't Buddhist, you know? Um, So yeah, in terms of the Thai diaspora, what I want to learn is what connects all Thai people, what connects all the Thai people of the diaspora? Um, Is there something unique about our immigration experience that other Asian Americans not to say that they don't experience, but maybe is there something that we experience more, um, like just more than other Asian Americans? Um, are there hardships that we experience that are different? Or are there privileges that we have as Thai Americans that other Asian Americans don't have? I think those are questions that I wanna learn more about. Um, I think another question I have is why isn't there more 
Thai media out there, Thai diaspora media, that is, um, is it because a lot of Thai people are just really connected to their roots um, and just consume a lot of Thai culture, or maybe they just go back to Thailand and become successful there if they're in media? Is it that Thai people aren't just, they're not making any media, not making any podcasts or movies or TV shows, writing any books? Or is it that our society, again, talking about America, American society isn't creating space for Thai stories and Thai voices to be heard? Yeah. So that's kind of what I want to learn and explore. Yeah. How do you continue to learn in order to stay engaged with all of this? Yeah. In order for me to stay engaged with my Thai culture and my Thai, like the Thai part of my family, it's been hard, again, because all of my Thai family is still in Thailand, or actually part of my Thai family is in Taiwan now, but the majority of them are in Thailand. None of them are in the U.S. And so because of that, it takes a lot of intentionality. I can't just like sit there and absorb the Thai culture around me because there is no Thai culture around me. Um, for me, it's been trying to consume Thai media. Um, again, I know that I want to consume, like I do want to consume Thai diaspora media. Um, so if anyone knows of any anything written by, written or produced by Thai Americans or hyphenated Thai people, please share with me so that I can read or watch that media. Um, but yeah, for right now, the main thing I can do is just watch Thai dramas, um, attempt to read newspapers um, published in English about Thailand, because yeah, that's an, another obstacle too. I can't read Thai at all. Like I've tried learning Thai, but it's so hard. And I've tried, I can understand Thai a little bit, but it's super basic. So it's not good enough to understand the news. Um, but in terms of uh, engaging with Thai culture on a more, on like a deeper level, I've been doing a lot of reading about each, um, about like the history of Thailand. And that in of itself is also a struggle. Like recently, my most recent, um, I guess, feat I've done is I've been learning about each province in Thailand because um, I was like, why is it that I can name all 50 states in the US, but I can't name even like five state uh, provinces in Thailand. Um, so because of that, I've been learning about each province in Thailand and trying to memorize all of the names, which is a lot. There's like 70 or something. It's so many. Anyway, um, and remember, Thailand is like the size of Texas. So that's just kind of wild how many provinces they have. Anyway, that's also been a struggle because whenever you look up province names, like Thai province names on Google, literally all I can find are like tourist websites. Like, I don't care about the hotel. Like, maybe I do care about the hotels. Like, it's fine. Like, tourism is how they make money. Great. But I also want to learn about the history. I want to learn about the people and the culture. Like, it's frustrating when I'm trying to learn more about who I am, about where my family is from. And all I find is, like, information about clubs, information about, um, like, hotels, information about beaches. Like, I'm not a tourist. Like... I have family there. <laughs> I don't need this information. And I understand that like Google isn't catered just to me, but it's infuri infuriating when I go through like 
five pages of Google searches and I can't find anything about the history of my people. Like, that's super frustrating. And I'm looking up like textbooks and stuff and I can't find anything written in the English language about Thai history or Thai culture that's written by Thai people. And I totally get it. Like, it makes sense that most Thai history and Thai culture is written in Thai. It's just kind of upsetting that there haven't been more translations. Um, again, but to answer your question, um, reading Wikipedia articles has been my number one go-to because there haven't been that many other resources available to me. Mm. So there are there any resources that have helped you just explore your identity more? Yeah, in terms of exploring my identity in general, um, I would say this was definitely something that I've been on my whole life. Um, I think it's kind of inevitable as a mixed person in the U.S. because no one understood who I am. So if I wanted to learn more about myself, I had to take initiative. I had to do the research and I had to do the work. Um, so I've definitely been starting to do that since the very beginning. Um, I didn't really engage with my ethnic identity at a more academic level until college. Um, and I, 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 I pay a lot of that. I, I credit a lot of this to like my friends and like mentors during college, um, especially those um, who were part of the uh, faith group I was part of. Uh, we put a really big emphasis on um, looking at the intersection between uh, faith and ethnicity and also, yeah, learning about how faith informs ethnicity and how ethnicity informs faith. Um, for me personally, that was what sparked an even more, like that's added even more passion for me to learn more about my culture uh, in terms of, like, actual resources, um, I don't know, honestly. Um, Wikipedia, like I said, has been my number one. Uh, recently, I've read a pretty good book called uh, Bangkok Wakes to Rain uh, by Pichaya uh, Sudbantad. Yeah, it's a pretty good book. It's a novel, but it takes place over, like, I think a hundred years or something. And it's showed me a part of Thai history that I've never heard of before. Like part of it was talking about student protests. I've never heard about student protests. Um, that's something else that I should bring up here as well. Um, as a Thai American, um, as the child of a Thai parent who came, like who, who's middle-class, you know, who came from Thailand, um, she was super proud of being Thai. And as a result, she has a lot of nationalism, right? She cares a lot about the, or she, she at least loved the previous king, you know? And as a result, like, I heard a lot of good things about Thailand. Like, I almost never heard anything bad about Thailand. So it wasn't until I read uh, Bangkok Wakes to Rain that I learned more about the not-so-pretty aspects of Thai culture. And I think that's another thing that's been rough um, in terms of learning about Thai history and Thai culture is, you know, at the end of the day, um, the victors are the ones who write history, right? And that's true across the board. Um, but I would say that's especially true in Thailand um, because of the laws we have in place, um, making it hard to speak out sometimes. And I think also the fact that we haven't been colonized by a Western power 
um yeah i think that also plays a big part into why like we're just not in the history books because i guess we're only worth being put in western history books if we've been colonized so yeah we were never anyone's colony so i guess we don't deserve to be in school system uh like the education systems oof so you've mentioned your mom a lot and how you were able to learn from her and look up to her. Um, is there anyone else that you've been able to look up to and really learn from? Yeah, like you mentioned, my mom is definitely like my number one teacher of Thai culture, which is expected because she's like the only Thai person I knew growing up um, <laughs> other than my family when I, when I would uh, visit Thailand. Yeah, in terms of, yeah, people I look up to in terms of Thai culture. That's hard because I'm going to say no <laughs> for now. Um, not because there aren't Thai people who are part of, or not that there aren't people who are part of the Thai diaspora who have done great things. Um, I think it's just harder to look up to them because, one, I don't know them personally, but to to my knowledge, at least, they're not super vocal about their Thai heritage or act or advocating for Thai people or Thai justice issues. And so, mm-hmm. because of their, because they might have other things to focus on, um, I might look up to them in like other aspects of life. But in terms of specifically like Thai heritage and Thai culture, I don't think I would look up to them in that aspect. Yeah. Um, what would you change about the way people view Thai culture? Yeah. Let's not use Thai culture as like a trend or a costume. That would be great. Because mm, yeah. um, I, I know like with like Indian culture too, you know, how like here in the States, people kind of just cherry pick what they want. Mm-hmm. and Chai latte, anyone? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and like turmeric lattes recently. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yoga has been, yeah. Yeah, so just as a lot of things have been culturally appropriated or even, like, yeah, culturally appropriated or, like, stolen from South Asian Indian culture, I feel like some of that has happened to, like, Thai culture, too. Um, I'm going to call out the uh, my fellow Christians for a hot sec. I think it's wild how we always send missionaries to Thailand, like all the time. I feel like whenever people think about missions trips, they talk about Thailand. And I get that. I get that there are, there's a high population of non-Christians in Thailand. But for me as a Thai person, I'm just like, what? (laughs) Why is Thailand always the go-to mission spot? Like, we have Christians there too, you know? You don't always have to send a missionary, like, there are local churches there. There are people who are already doing work. Um, so when I think of like the church in the U.S., I'm like, yo, there are Christian Thai people too. Um, so that's something I would change in terms of how like the American church views Thai people. Um, yeah. We don't need a white savior, you know? Yeah. But the Thai church, you know, we should be empowering them instead of, Americans always playing the hero. And I I don't want to like completely discredit them and discredit everyone. I'm sure there are churches and like American Christians who are empowering the local church and maybe the local church is inviting them. 
um, because, oh, at the end of the day, white people have privilege basically wherever they go, um, which isn't a bad thing. I don't want to say privilege is a bad thing. It's just you have privilege and you have to own up to it. Um, but yeah, I don't want to discredit the work that everyone is doing. I just, again, like you said, we should also recognize the fact that there are local Thai people who also care about the people in their community. Um, in terms of the greater American uh, community, I would say, um, I guess I would say that I want them to listen to this podcast and learn more about Thai people, learn more about our culture, and understand that we're not, we live here too, you know, like, not all of us live in Thailand, like, <laughs> we're not that exotic, like, oh my gosh, I hate that word, I hate when people use the term exotic to, like, describe, like, Thailand and Thai culture, I think especially because Thailand is more tropical, uh, they feel like they can use exotic to describe my culture, and, like, oh my gosh, I've even been called exotic before, oh, I'm just dying on the inside thinking back to those moments. Um, and I, I know that people are saying that out, not out of malice. They're like trying to be nice or whatever, but it's still kind of cringy because it's definitely, there's definitely the sense of othering of how like my culture doesn't belong here and how it's always going to be a commodity. Um, yeah, and ignorance too. Yeah, yeah, ignorance. That's a good word. Um, almost like white superiority, you know? Mm-hmm. yeah like how this idea that like whiteness and white culture is the the normal you know like yeah i guess that's a good track i think i just want thai culture thai american culture to be normalized you know um what does it look like to have thai products in american grocery stores and i get that like it doesn't make sense to have that in like every single grocery store because economics <laughs> um but in especially in places that have like more thai people like why do we have to go to like why can't we get it at like our local like walmart or kroger or whatever you know mm-hmm. um yeah i guess similar to the note of missions trips also like why why is service trips in general i feel like thailand is always brought up to whenever people think about like doing international service i think they think of like africa the continent or they think of thailand or i guess southeast asia in general you know um l- let's stop doing let's like i mean if you are truly like really really just care so much about thailand like you go go and do whatever you feel like you want to do there but let's like not just take pictures and call it a service trip you know like let's not be tourists and just say that we're going there for community service like go ahead and be a tourist but like call it what it is tourism yeah call it what it is yeah um yeah and stop third worlding our countries you know oh that's good yeah i would also say something else that has been interesting that we will definitely talk about in future episodes um i think the queer community in thailand i think there's an interesting relationship there too um i feel like a lot of queer people globally kind of see thailand as like a hot spot for like queer culture within asia or within like southeast asia um especially during like the thai new years like our water festival water festival um like that's just a big festival where 
um, we celebrate like the birth of the Buddha and the new year. Not the Buddha, sorry, like just a Buddha, I think. Um, and then, again, it's like fine that like a lot of people who are part of the LGBTQIA 2S plus community go to Thailand and celebrate and have fun there. But it's interesting because even though the global community sees it as like a super accepting place for queer folks, it's also interesting how like actually within Thailand, there's still a lot of stigma against the queer community and how like, I think it wasn't until like last month that um, queer people could even get married, not married, they, they, they still can't get married. I think it's like a civil partnership or something. Um, so it's interesting how on one hand, it's seen as a super like accepting place for queer folks, but at the same time, queer people in Thailand aren't super accepted yet. Um, so I think that's something I would change, you know, like rip off that mask of being super accepting to queer folks if you're not actually super accepting, you know? I think tourists benefit a lot from Thai culture, not even Thai culture, rather from capitalism <laughs> and the way that like Thai people want to be good hosts, but they also want to just like make it a good environment for the tourists. But the environment and the things that the tourists feel might not actually be the reality that Thai people encounter um, on the day-to-day -day in Thailand. I do think change needs to happen. And I think because tourism is such a big part of the Thai economy, like tourists have power, you know? Mm -hmm. um, money has power, which I don't think money should have that much power, but it does. It controls our world, basically. Um, yeah, so that was a tangent. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, no. So we talked about the way that, you know, the what you would change for people when they view Thai culture. Um, mm -hmm. What do you think, what would you want to change about the way Thai Americans view themselves? Yeah. When I think about this question, because I've only interacted with, like, four other Thai Americans or people who identify as Thai Americans in my life other than my brother. To answer this question, I think I want to change it to more of a, what would I say to my younger self concerning like my Thai identity? Um, I think I would just tell myself that it's okay that no one understands your culture yet. Um, because if you, if you wait like five years, your culture is going to become a, a popular trend in America and then everyone will know about Thai culture. Um, that's a joke. <laughs> um, but in all honesty, in all honesty, um, I would tell myself that it doesn't matter if people fully understand your culture or not. It doesn't matter if people don't understand who you are. And it's okay if you feel lonely sometimes with being the only Thai person. Um, because as, I, as I've you know, learned and as I've, as I've encountered other Thai people, um, other Thai Americans, I mean, there also does seem to be this sense of loneliness in their narratives too, of being the only Thai person um, in their city or in their school, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And I think for me, with this sense of being the only one, that's also allowed me to develop more empathy for other people too. And it's allowed me to um, not assimilate 
but I would say integrate myself into other communities and other cultures too. Um, I would also say that being the only one has also just made me even more proud of being Thai. Yeah, so I would tell my younger self that it might be emotionally hard, but at the end of the day, it's worth it and you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, is there anything that I should ask you that I just didn't know enough to ask? Hmm. Other questions. I don't know. I, I can't think of any other questions off the top of my head. But if you're listening to this podcast and you have any questions for me, uh, feel free to ask them um, via, so via social media. Um, and I guess the last question for today, if you could invite anyone onto your podcast, who would it be? Hmm. If I could invite anyone, I would definitely want someone who's part of the Thai diaspora because, like I said, I think within Thailand, Thai people, they already have a platform. So this platform would purely be for um, people who are part of the Thai diaspora. The first person that comes to mind is actually Brenda Song. Have you, mm -hmm. like, do you, have you seen uh, Sweet Life of Zach and Cody? Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, so for me growing up, that was, like, my first, like, the first American thing I consumed that had, like, Asian American representation. Yeah. Um, I also thought it was pretty cool, because, like, she, her character, London Tipton, totally um, went against the, uh, the model minority myth, which is something we'll definitely talk about in more detail in a later episode. But, yeah, I just think it's so cool how... A Thai, she, so she's Thai and Hmong, and I think it's really cool how, like, a Southeast Asian person, specifically, like, a Thai and Hmong person, was, like, one of my first exposure, like, one of the first, like, Asian faces I saw on American television. So I would definitely want to invite her and, like, talk about her experience as a Southeast Asian American here in the States, um, especially because she was part of this industry before Asian American, like, because, like, right now, Asian Americans are, like, more popular in society and in entertainment, right? Like, with the Crazy Rich Asians, with uh, To All the Boys I Loved Before, right? Like, there seems to be this huge boom of wanting to tell Asian stories, or even, like, Never Have I Ever, right? Um, but she was part of the entertainment industry when there weren't that many Asian Americans um, on TV. So I think it's, I definitely want to yeah, interview her and talk to her, um, pick her brain. Also, if you remember earlier earlier in this episode, I talked about Amphibia, which is a Disney Channel a cartoon with a Thai-American uh, character. Um, Brenda Song actually uh, voices the character, too. So oh, I so would totally cool. want to talk about, like, her transition from, like, a ditzy, honestly generic Asian-American character generic in that like I don't think they ever talk about what her ethnic background is to yeah a character that embraces her Thai culture yeah that's really cool well thank you so much for having me on your podcast it was really cool to just hear you talk about you know your upbringing and all your hopes for this podcast and it's really inspirational honestly well, thank you so much, Priya, for being on for this very first episode. Thank you so much for listening until the very end of the very first episode of More Than a Noodle, a Thai diaspora podcast. Once again, my name is Jeremy Lee, and you just listened to a conversation 
between myself and Priya Kavana Kudil. Thank you again, Priya, for hopping on and just trying something new with me. I'm not sure where this podcast will lead us, but the hope is for us to continue to have conversations about the Thai diaspora and to highlight stories and experiences of people within the Thai diaspora. For me, as an American, I'll probably end up talking with Thai Americans, at least for the first few episodes. If you know of any person who's part of the Thai diaspora community who would be interested in coming on this show or has an interesting story, let me know on Instagram. Once again, the best way to support this show is simply by sharing it with your friends so I know that people are listening to this content. See y'all in two weeks. Bye. Oh wait, one more thing. I totally remembered incorrectly. It turns out Thailand is not the same size as Texas. It's only like a third of the size. I don't know what I was thinking when I was recording this episode with Priya, but yeah, turns out Thailand is nowhere near the size of Texas. So I don't know why my mom was holding up a map of Texas and a map of Thailand, but there you go. Sorry about that. Thanks again.